Good afternoon, evening, morning, whatever time it is. My name is Kelly Gaines, and I am here with the Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast, episode 14. Um, before we begin, I would like to give a very necessary disclaimer. If you are not old enough to watch Harley Quinn, you are not old enough to listen to this podcast. So maybe check out some of our other podcasts. They're a little bit more family friendly, but this one is not the podcast for you. Two, one. With that out of the way, welcome to the first episode of season two of Harley Quinn and our 14th episode of this podcast. Um, so right off the bat, we're starting with new Gotham, new Harley, new entire world. So before we dive into episode two, I wanted to ask my wonderful co-host with who I'm here with, um, Kendra Hale. Kendra, say hello. Salutations. <laughs> I like that. I need to use that word more. <laughs> and Brad Philicky, Brad. Hey, hey. Hello, hello. And Seth Singleton. I can only follow with greetings and salutations. It's it's oh. the it's the it's the one that I know. It's the one that I use. And Kendra, if you're going to use salutations, I must follow with greetings and salutations, everyone. <laughs> How the fuck are y'all? I mean, it's it's a beautiful day. It, I mean, it's the first beautiful day in a while. We've been having some hurricane like stuff going on here i don't know what it's like in the rest of the country you guys good safe harling it up it's so hot <laughs> it's hot here oh man i live right next to the water i mean i literally can walk about two-thirds of a mile and i'm at the water maybe less and it's 97 degrees right now right by the oh, water like okay. it, it makes no sense sorry brad i almost feel like i cut you off there oh no no you know, I, I think I almost cut you off, so you keep going. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just and, – and because we live by the water, most of the homes here – I mean, the home I'm in is uh, 22,000, I think. Yeah, 2,000. And it, it doesn't have an air conditioner. It's just not something they build into them. It's just – you can buy one later, but you live by the water. How hot's it going to get? <laughs> so right now, with all the windows and doors closed, so I don't have, you know, all the sounds of people outside – I have created my own personal sauna sweat box. I will let you know how much weight I've lost by the end of this episode. <laughs> hey, look, we we've discussed this off air. This is a this is a sacrifice we make for you guys, the listeners. This is <laughs> we're willing to be gross for one plus hour a week just just for you. <laughs> we do this for you. <laughs> so we're diving into Harley Quinn season two. But before we jumped off the season two, I wanted to ask just where we're standing right now, what everybody's favorite moment from season one is, because season two gets much more wacky, a lot of fun, new, interesting characters coming in. So at the end of season one, guys, what is your favorite moment? Brad? Anything involving Bane, I think. Uh, I think <laughs> as I thought back about it, as long as Bane's in it, I love it. Um, I, I just think, uh, you know, when it, when the uh, when the rubber hits the road, I, I overall I think I just really like seeing um, Harley come to her own and realizing what she thought she wanted wasn't what she wanted and, and 
her kind of claiming what she did want. And uh, yeah, I think her arc was really good, but gotta gotta show some love for Bane, and maybe a little love for Kite Man too. But uh, overall, yeah, and and Ivy's great. I mean, the whole thing's great. Uh, Kendra. Oh gosh, if we're gonna do something like that, it's got to be anything that comes out of Ivy's mouth. Anything that is the sarcastic realism, (laughs) bring us back to the moment, that friend that's like, okay, but did you really think about this a little bit more than five seconds? That would probably be in anything that she said, or King Shark, because he's kind of the same way with, you know, the rest of the crew. He's the, are we really sure about this? I wasn't sure in the beginning, and I'm still not. That would have to be (laughs) me. Seth, what about you? Ooh, it's tough because Bane, don't get me wrong, Brad, I'm with you. Brain, like Bane, he, he fucking sells it like every time. He's the most pitiful character. <laughs> like I was watching an episode recently. And I was like, why is he sad? And I was like, because <laughs> Bane gets no love, baby. Like Bane gets no fucking love. Like He's just everybody. Everybody just, you know, pulls down their pants and, and you know, poor Bane. He just gets it right in the face. Like they just shit all over him. I feel so terrible. Uh <laughs> But if if I had to like you know come down to it, I'm I'm really gonna have to go back to the one that really f- kind of fucked off everybody, which was Queen of Fables and her three blind mice. There was just <laughs> I love the way you can hear their little teeth gnawing on the bones. <laughs> that, that was surely the most fucked up moment for me, especially because afterwards, like discussing it with you guys and hearing kind of the horror in Kelly's voice, and she's like, oh God. I'm now more horrified hearing you describe what they are than imagining, you know, cute little tuxedos and <laughs> civil manners and things like that. So uh, I was yeah, about to I'm, say, if Kelly was past the nightmare stage, we're right back there. Yeah, sorry, I yep. brought it all back home. I mean, I, if you uh, want, I can break in some sleep paralysis. Take me away. <laughs> some Chianti with the fava beans. Yeah, just you know, break all the way. <laughs> for everybody like you know that's 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 the one for kelly right there just like really dude blind mice fuck you okay (laughs) i want to call a ban on blind mice for the rest of this episode but i can't because i I have another question that i'm sure is going to bring them up again (laughs) we're just gonna move right along (laughs) okay well what about you what was what was yours kelly i mean i uh, to an extent, I have to echo you guys with Bane because my favorite—I have two favorite moments, and one is when Bane's doing that card trick and he gets it wrong and he goes "fuck." And <laughs> the other one, yeah, that was is, yeah. right. Like, I mean, that moment just caught me so off guard because it's like this is Bane. This is the man who broke the bat, and he just fucked up a card trick (laughs) like it's and that's exactly how I would react to the same thing like I as somebody who used to be a camp counselor and was promptly demoted for accidentally saying fuck when I dropped something into the fire it happened (laughs) see the problem wasn't so much that I said fuck it was that I corrected myself by looking around at the kids and going shit because I realized that I had said fuck Oh, <laughs> that, was, that was the worst performance review I've ever gotten in a job, ever. Wow, I'm so mad I wasn't a part right of the camp. <laughs> <laughs> I 
would I like to think of it as uh, the the kids I was watching were nine years old and I was fifteen. So I mean, if anyone's gonna teach them that word, let it be a fifteen year old. But <laughs> yeah, so I mean, my my favorite moment is Bane with that card trick. And it's funny, Seth, that you said that your wife was like, "Why is he so sad?" Because I was rewatching episodes before this, and my boyfriend came in and kind of chuckled at something Bane was doing. Then he went, "Wow, they they really won't give him a swivel chair." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's Bane in the show. He gets nothing. <laughs> Season oh God, two, more things. Like, right? Like this. This makes him so much more endearing. So. Favorite episodes of season one aside, we start off season two with not only is the Justice League gone, Batman's missing, the Joker is supposedly dead, Gotham has crumbled into the apocalypse, and the way that our wonderful, trusty American government deals with it is, you know what, Gotham's out. Gotham is no longer a part of the United States. So, I mean, we're going into an election year, everyone's talking politics. Guys, do you think this was a good political decision to kick Gotham out for this supervillain crisis? I mean, how would you handle it? Brett? I, you know, I, I can't, I can't hit on them for doing that because there's a lot <laughs> of crazies in Gotham that I don't even think the U.S. government would want to deal with. So it's like, have at it. Let, you know, figure it out for yourselves. It's like the whole, uh, you know, the Reservoir Dogs thing where the dogs went into the Reservoir Dogs and then the one strongest is the one that uh, ended up ruling. So they would have to do the same thing with Gotham. I kind of don't blame them at all. <laughs> Kendra? It makes me sit back and wonder because you got to think about it. In the DCU, there's Metropolis, there's Central City, there's Star City. What the fuck did Gotham do? <laughs> How many times did they just sit there and be like, again? Or, you know, you know, just sitting in a meeting and being like, well, this is what happened. There was a this 8.6 earthquake and the town crumbled and somebody's like, it's Gotham, isn't it? I mean, how, how bad did they have to get to be like, you know what? I'm done. You guys are no longer apart. Martial law. Y'all are on your own. Good night and good luck. I mean... <laughs> Damn. I wonder you give that political address. I want, like, I want to hear that exact sentence of "good night and good luck." Like, right. <laughs> on your wow. own. <laughs> You'd be proud right now, Kendra. Wait a, wait a, wait a to use it. <laughs> That's where my mind goes because I'm like, I wanted to be there and like Kelly and be hearing this and just be like. How much more did they have to do in order for them to get the final boot over all these other cities that have had the same problems? Seth, what about you? Yeah, it, it, it's it's like that, you know, that popular phrase where they're like, okay, you, you, sorry, Gotham, not you. We, all the other DC cities, they're going to figure their shit out, but not you. No, no, you're you're the uh, you're the fuck up. You're always going to be the bad example. The, uh, you know, always a bridegroom or bridesmaid, never bride or groom. Um, (laughs) You will always sort of be that just sad sort of. ah, Will somebody just set that thing on fire already and kick it into the gutter? Like, um, actually, and I love this because I stole it from a show and I use it on one of our casts and I'll use it again. Um. You know, it's like walking around with a sick chicken. 
<laughs> Nobody fucking wants that thing. And I'll be honest, uh, I'm pretty sure the current administration would totally pull this playbook. They'd be like, ah, I saw it on a DC Comics cartoon thing. We'll just kick one of these shithole cities out, and it's over. Like, I have a feeling they've got a top 25 list. I'm pretty sure Oakland's on it because they just fucking hate us. But um, And the rest of California, like, the fact that I live in California has demonized me in the eyes of my conservative parents and the current administration, as well as numerous other groups, I'm sure. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure they've got a list where they're just like, you know, it worked in a cartoon. In California. I mean, fuck <laughs> avocados. Right. Come on. Who needs that? <laughs> Fucking avocados, surfers. I mean, what good comes out of California? I don't know. There's maybe some Silicon Valley chips and shit like that. I don't know. Internet, whatever. I want that T-shirt so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck avocados. Fuck avocados. Let California, you know, crumble into the sea. So, yeah, I could totally see this happening. In fact, as I just stated, I could see it happening for my entire state, if not the entire Pacific Northwest. Like, I'm pretty sure they'd be like... You know what? Washington, Oregon, California, shit can go. Uh, <laughs> Kelly, what was your take? <laughs> yeah, it's Washington. That's that's where Twilight happened. F- fuck it all. Get no, I'm I'm totally kidding. I lo- I I have never been to the West Coast, but I would love to go there someday. <laughs> Plus, I'm not conservative, so I I have nothing against you or your avocados. <laughs> That's okay. I just remember my days of thunder, which is when, you know, the one guy's like, California. So uh, what does that make him, a northerner? He's like, nah, man, when you're from California, you're not really much of anything. <laughs> I always went, oh, well, fuck you, too. Uh, <laughs> West, you know? But we're, we're not a bad state. I like it here. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, personally, looking at Gotham and all of the wonderful chaos that because think about it so metropolis yeah they have their super villains but their main villain is lex luthor who is you know he he does some decent things apparently politically he puts up some fun housing i mean he blows it up but he puts it up and i mean you know they they have superman they have lois lane gotham though they have the craziest super villains and the craziest fucking superhero. They're still not sure this guy is okay. Like, Batman's <laughs> gone now, but did they like Batman in the first place apart from Gordon? Uh, probably not. Although, I do think that this says a lot about the fact that they must have been keeping Gotham in the fold because they knew the Justice League could handle it. And then as soon as the Justice League's gone, they're like, you know what? Fuck Gotham. Close Gotham. Gotham's done. But I really want to see Amanda Waller at some point in this show, because I'd love to see how she reacted to this. Miss Anti-Justice League, like, well, they're gone, and what did you do for Gotham? What did you do for anyone? And I, not that not that I'm anti-Amanda Waller, but, you know, I, I'd love to see her show up in this show. I'd love to see what her take on all of this bullshit is. And, I mean, considering that Harley Quinn is, like, one of the, the main suicide squad villains it wouldn't shock me for her to show up at some point but that's i mean if we're looking at late season two season three or season two is over but season three like that's what i would love to see so moving right along we're we're looking at this apocalyptic world gotham is its own lawless wasteland and harley is 
stoked. She thinks that there is no rules, no one's in charge, let's just go fuck shit up, smash everything, steal some TVs, maybe steal a sushi sushi chef. That is hard to say. Wow. (laughs) And see where the day goes from there. Ivy is saying, no, we need a little bit of order. Take control of the city while you have the chance. Right off the bat, guys, do you think Ivy's still being like the calm sort of voice of reason, the Jiminy Cricket of the show, more or less? Or were you like, yeah, let's fuck shit up with Harley? Brad? Uh, I I would probably go with Ivy being the calm voice. Uh, to me, Harley was like the kid whose parents aren't home and, hey, let's throw a party, not realizing the consequences of having people come into your house and trash it. So I, <laughs> I, I was never one of those kids who wanted to have a party at my house. That would be the last thing that I want. Uh, so I think that in this, in this instance, I definitely relate more to Ivy uh, than I do Harley. Uh, Kendra? I really don't think that Ivy is is uh, is thinking too clearly at this moment. Like, I mean, yes, I see that she's trying to be like, you know, Joker's gone, the just or the Injustice League is done, or Legion of Doom. Forgive me, the Justice League is gone, Batman's gone. There's literally no one to take charge, and why what why shouldn't Harley do it? But at the same time, it's kind of like Pandora's box. She's going to be opening this up and. I think that that's going to lead to a lot of what's coming this season is the fact that Ivy was pushing Harley to embrace basically her more evil side. Seth, what about you? Yeah, with this one, I, I had to agree with, with Ivy's take simply because if you don't make some sort of move, someone else is going to make the moves. So if you're not acting, you're eventually going to be reacting. And the biggest problem is, I mean, <laughs> look at what's left, <laughs> you know, between Bane, Two-Face, Riddler, like Penguin, you, you've got a lot of people who, when they make moves, it makes your life miserable. Um, so I kind of get where it's like, you know, I mean, Harley has a chance to sort of at least carve out her own section and and set her own terms maybe at this moment but it's that uh it's it's like another great saying i love um the idea that uh you know when you're casting metal um while the metal has been poured and it's still set if you sneeze the wrong way you can change the shape of it when it cools like there's a there's a golden moment when if you don't seize that opportunity if you don't strike that if you hesitate and go well, let's see what happens. And then you see what happens and you no longer have any chance to do anything. That's kind of where I felt they were at. So even if Ivy did what they should do, and, and granted it would have been potential Pandora's box, the other challenge is like, man, if you wait for the one of these other shitheads to do something, it's it's just going to ah, it's gonna shit the bed. And in that <laughs> in that lovely picture, you, you have just nothing but a mess. And, you know... Uh, Sadly, fucking Ivy's just right a lot. I mean, and she's so tired of the way things have been going. Like, I think the other part of it with Ivy is she's like, dude, we have a chance right now while things are fucked up to actually change the way the game is played here in Gotham. But, you know, Brad, you pointed out like, you know, Harley's like, dude, I'm too punk rock for that shit. Like, you you can't you can't tie me down. Like, (laughs) fuck the rules. Chaos, anarchy. Woo. And yeah. Then we get what comes next. 
How about you, Kelly? I want to say that I'm an Ivy in this situation so badly, but I know in in this specific instance, I am a Harley. In the sense that when when I get when I what I want, when something comes to an end or there's like a free reign, I'm the person who's like, woo, let's just enjoy it. Like I I don't in this kind of situation, I, I know myself and I know I wouldn't be planning ahead. I would just be like, yeah, I mean, the, the guy that I wanted gone is gone. So let's have a good time. And I, I've definitely had friends who have been like, all right, but like, Kelly, think about think about the rest of everything, like the future. Think about the fact that this is not sustainable. I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know myself and I know I would jump the gun and just be like, yes, anarchy. And then regret it terribly when there was no electricity. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel better. I'm not the only one who had their electricity turned off because me and my roommate were partying too hard and just couldn't pay the fucking bill. So thank you. Because I suddenly feel like a lot. That and having the water turned off was probably one of the more humiliating. Where I was like, dude, really? Are we that fucked up? Like, we got our electricity and our water turned off? Like, holy shit. Come on. There, there have been a couple of times where I've gone to like log into my computer in the morning and I'm like, babe, why is the internet not working? And it's like, oh, we haven't paid the bill in two months. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's why. That's- <laughs> Who has money? <laughs> <laughs> Great reason. And and I am fully like, I'm one of those people who I'll get paid and like, you know, pay put money aside for my rent and my credit card bill. But every other bill, it just, I mean, there is, there are cheesesteak egg rolls to buy. And things to rent on Amazon. And I just got like 40 really nice candles. <laughs> Should the electricity get turned off, <laughs> I then have the candles. <laughs> but, so yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I fucking love that strategy. I just want 40 <laughs> candles. I'm good, yo. I got like three a room <laughs> for like oh, six God. months. See, I wish my boyfriend had reacted that way when I told him <laughs> that was why I was a little bit short on cash this month. <laughs> but all of that aside, I know that at heart, I'm a Harley in a lot of ways. So I would probably be the person just like, woo, anarchy, no leadership. And then later down the line being like, maybe some leadership, maybe less anarchy. That's, you know, I I I'm I'm 26. I don't know everything yet. <laughs> so, moving forward through this episode, I wanted to do something kind of fun because we get a lot of goon hench talk happening, and I wanted to know from you guys first: would you would you identify as a goon or a hench? And second, I think it'd be kind of fun for us to all have hench personas, and not necessarily a name because all their names are like Craig or Ted or something silly like that, but who would you be working for in this, you know, Gotham split up scenario? And would you be a goon or a hench? Brad? I think I would uh, I would be a hench. I just think it sounds better, not necessarily more professional, but it sounds <laughs> maybe stronger than a goon. Um, it sounds like it maybe has a little more intelligence. <laughs> um, maybe a hench is a little smarter than a goon. I don't uh, as far as who I would work for now, I, mean, I don't know because one of the things where I can't, I got to bring up my height again because I would wonder, well, maybe I'd work for the penguin because I'm so short and maybe that would make some kind of sense, but I don't know. Now, who would I want to work for? 
maybe maybe Mr. Freeze because he seems to have the most moral uh, reason for his villainy that I could at least get behind on some level more than I could on the other villains, I think. Uh, Kendra? Oh my gosh, I'd be a hench, but I'm I'm stuck because I would be I would want to work for Two Face solely because I would be able to say words like Moxie and Chicago typewriter. <laughs> but I also I'm like kind of with you on the other hand, Brad, because Mister Freeze does seem to have his his head on his shoulders a little bit. But more than that, how cool would it be to live in your own like virtual snow globe <laughs> and and be able to ice skate whenever you want? I mean. <laughs> that's hard <laughs> so i think i'd just i'd be one of those where i slip between the two i guess i'm a hench for hire oh <laughs> <laughs> a hench for hire um I, I i'm a little bit of a palooka but in this scenario if i choose between goon or henchman i would probably be a henchman and I would want to work. Initially, I'm, I'm really drawn by the two-faced thing because it would totally justify any action I did, whether it was good or bad. I could always just say, ah, I flipped a fucking coin. What? <laughs> um, right? So, like, I kind of feel like I got the candles. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's why I bought the candles. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Jesus Christ. What? You want to? Don't talk to me. Ask the fucking coin. Um, so there's that. Not only that, but sharp dressers. Two, uh, you get to say Moxie, which reminds me of a movie where the kid's like, what's Moxie? And the guy goes, come here. And then he looks at the kid and the kid looks at me, he goes, see that? That's Moxie. So uh, just that feel of like wanting to be able to, you know, express in those ways. And yeah, enjoy that. But I could also get a lot of those same benefits by working for Penguin. And Iceberg Lounge, compared to all the other places, pretty smooth. I don't really trust Freeze because I think he's a little too passionate. And in that scenario, I'm probably going to get used as cannon fodder, which isn't a sexy way to go out. Plus, at the Iceberg Lounge, I could probably work my way inside on the business admin side. And if nothing else, you know, fuck it. I know how to bartend. So I just start mixing some drinks and, you know, flirt. Um, Kelly, how about you? So... I had one answer for this, but listening to you guys, I feel like I've <laughs> I've thought of a different answer. We got in your head. <laughs> Initially, I was thinking goon. Just I when I was in grade school, for whatever reason, all of the guys in my like small I, we had 60 kids in my graduating class of middle school and all of the boys called each other goons. Like that was like a term of endearment. It was like, "You goon." Like that that was just what they called each other. So I was like, oh yeah, goon, but and and hench to me sounded like the Venture Brothers, and I was like, oh, I don't want to hench. But now, if I had to think about putting on my resume like goon or hench, I would much rather put hench, woman, <laughs> than goon. Although goon is simpler now that I'm thinking about it. Like actually miming, writing this out, like goon, Kelly Gaines, goon. I I kind of like that. But in any case, I I would like to work for um. Oh, God. See, that I've been rethinking that, too, because at first it was Mr. Freeze. But now I feel like it's the Riddler a little bit because I'm thinking of riddle based puns that I could use when I'm, you know, my my goon self is dreaming of their future. I'd be like, oh, I, I can be the conundrum. I can be the coinky dink. I, like, I, I can come out with one of those ridiculous titles later and 
you know, dream of my villainous future. So I, I'm going to go with Goon and I'm going to go with the Riddler and I'm not going to go with Penguin because as we're about to see later in this episode, the Penguin does not treat his goons slash henches very well. So now that we've got our, our goon hench personas settled, what do you guys think? I mean, we move forward in this episode and we see the penguin dealing with all of his henchmen, all of his goons. He's walking through his hotel. He's having a wonderful time. Everybody's saying hello to Mr. Penguin. And one of them meets an unfortunate end. I mean, do you guys still stand by like, really, Seth, you really want to be a, a, a penguin guy? Well, well, everybody knows that the elevator guy gets crapped on. It's just the way it is. Like, I don't be the elevator, elevator guy. guy. This is uh, not 1920. Yeah, I, I know, but some some attitudes never change. <laughs> like, I, I want it to be a modern world, but I understand that the way the Penguin's doing things, we haven't evolved past, like, 1952. So, um, based on that, like, yeah, you get in at the bartending thing, because the worst you can do is fuck up a drink and make a new one. You say the wrong thing in an elevator, a confined space where it's just you and nobody else to absorb the, oh, dude. Like, at least I'm going to get you a little buzz before I screw up. My hope is. He He said, hi, how are you? (laughs) Yeah, but he was the last straw. You don't want to be that guy. (laughs) And he really meant it. it. Yes, Brad, thank you. (laughs) But how, how do you know that you're the last straw when it's just, I'm going to say hi to my boss when he gets into this elevator. I say hi to my boss every time I see her. Like I, I wouldn't want to think like, ah, shit, I'm the third person coming in this morning. Meredith might not want another hello. Like that's crazy. But okay, I still think right. your survival rates are better as a penguin goon or hench than they would be as the Joker's goon or hench. Oh, so yeah. I think you got to play the odds a little bit. That's true. That's fair. That yeah. All right, I, I can live with that. I can live Plus, with that. It's like it's like gambling. You want to watch how the game's played a couple times, kind of get a vibe before you like put some actual money down. Well, I'm putting my life down, so I'm gonna pay attention to who says what and when he loses is cool. And I'm gonna be like, so I'm gonna be like five guys back over that way. What's that job? That's my job. That's my safety spot right there. Like, come on, nobody nobody ever fucks with that guy. That's the guy. That's the guy. Okay, what's some dirt on him? I need his job. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So the next thing I think would be, um, well, actually, no, I'm getting ahead of myself because we haven't talked about the fact that there is this Injustice League that Harley gets invited to. And then she is kind of rudely awakened by the fact that they're not actually interested in her being part of the Injustice League. So, guys, did that invitation strike you as a trap when you first saw it or no? Brad? Doesn't she ever learn? I mean, look what happened with the Legion of Doom. Why would this be any different? So I think that um, I, I think that she, it, she should have known it was a trap from the from the very beginning. Damn it, I'm devil's advocate on this one. Um, because, I mean, the whole reason that they're all pissed is because she goes in and she's like, why are you guys still goons? Why Why are you doing that? You don't have to be this way anymore. You don't have to follow. And... They get pissed about that, and so they're like, well, if we bring her into the fold, which is logical, you know, then that way she's with us, not against us, or inspiring our cohorts, our minions. 
But I mean, I also agree with Brad. I mean, it's how many times are you going to get a piece of paper that says something and the end result be horrible and not, you know, get a clue? So, I mean, yeah, she should have known it was a trap. But on the other hand, it wasn't necessarily presented as one at first. But then again, look who we're dealing with. The people who shoot, you know, actual factual. Hello, how are you people in elevators? (laughs) (laughs) So, Seth, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to say a pox on both their houses. Because both of them knew better. Like... (laughs) What the fuck? Like, that. what's that? <laughs> that? That's a fun way to say that. <laughs> like, that. yeah, I, I stole. I know, Bill, Mr. Shakes. I stole from you, and I totally get it. But, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, in both situations, it's what the fuck were either of you thinking? Like, it's like when the two people. Uh, I'm gonna reference another Family Guy where they're like, "We love dive bars. We're this." We think we're great, and people think we're great for each other, but we're actually terrible for everybody. Like, for both of these people, these groups, she's terrible for everybody except for Ivy and the small crew she's collecting. Even then, she's kind of terrible for them. And, you know, the remaining members of the Legion are just terrible for everybody. These Gotham guys, they're just, you know, it's like you never want to see them get drunk and start talking shit because it's just going to get ugly. So what do you do? You go ahead and invite the the one, you know, person crazier than the rest of them to a conversation about, Hey, can you be less crazy and join our group and play by our rules? Like this is the girl who just walked into the henchman and said, and goons and said, don't play by the rules. So why the fuck are you inviting her in for a conversation about, she needs to play by the rules. This is where I go back and I'm like, Harley, why why take yeah listen to brad listen to kendra listen to all of us you never should have answered this because if they didn't think you were going to play they've got you surrounded and they're they're going to take over if you just carved out your own territory and kind of just like made your own spot or just started fucking shit up without giving them a chance to you know make you do things exactly the way they wanted and put you in basically a a barrel so they could shoot at you like come on <laughs> come on so yeah they they both should have done just a little bit better on this one they shouldn't have offered the invitation they should have just worked on their own thing built up their strength and then dealt with harley later and she should have done the same for herself and now everybody's gonna pay painfully but first there's got to be a little humiliation a little bit of humbling a little bit of embarrassment how about you kelly I think so. I got so excited about us all being goons or henchmen that I totally forgot that it was spelling. I forgot that there was a point to what I was saying. That we, I mean, Harley whips up a goon henchman rebellion, and that pushes the rest of Gotham, all of the major villains, to be like, all right, so we're splitting up the city. Fuck everybody. We're all going to have our own zones. There's Bainton, there's the fancy snow globe, there's Mafia Land, and, and then Harley Quinn gets Coney Island. And Harley's not cool with that. So just to recap, for anybody who didn't know, that was what I forgot to leave out. (laughs) (laughs) But as far as Harley getting this invitation to the Injustice League after she incites rebellion, I I mean, for one, I I have to echo the concern that, you know, there there has to be some copyright infringement there. It's Injustice League, Justice League. That sounds a little crazy, but outside of that yeah i mean as harley 
I don't know that I would have accepted the invitation because at that point she's already stirred this rebellion. No one's really encroaching on her territory. So I would have taken it as I've won. I don't need to be part of an injustice league, but I think Harley as a character just sort of has this need to, to be accepted into these bigger villain conglomerates. I mean, she spent the entirety of season one trying to get into the Legion of doom and successfully destroyed the Legion of Doom, but now she has this invitation to be part of this other villain league, and I think it's almost like a a, a knee-jerk reaction to be like, well, yeah, I'll go see what it's about, but at the same time, watching it for the first time, my initial thought was, this is a trap. She is fucked. And she is, because she's made into a, a quincical, and... Mr. Freeze freezes her. She's stuck in this block, which is a ridiculous form of torture. I mean, what it, we'll, we'll get into later episodes why it might not have been a ridiculous form of torture. But to me, if I thought I'm going to die, but right now I'm just going to sit frozen in this piece of ice while people have parties around my frozen corpse. I mean, that, that kind of sucks a little bit. But, <laughs> you know, a little bit. I mean, I personally, I think that's, I I would say that I would rather freeze to death than burn to death. But if you're going to trap me in a thing of ice, just burn me to death. Like I'll, I'll be singed and ashy in two to four hours. I mean, screw it. (laughs) Anyway, moving (laughs) forward. I, I really love that the gang has this bizarre escape attempt, which clearly is a mastermind idea by Clayface because it involves so much acting on his part. One, what did you guys think of their plan to infiltrate Penguin's, you know, fancy gala party to rescue Harley? And two, did anyone else think that Psycho's disguise was fucking stupid? Brad? Stupid, but funny. Uh, It's kind (laughs) of like that when kids try to, like, Three kids in a trench coat try to buy tickets to an R-rated movie kind of thing, which <laughs> kind of cracked me up. And I, I, t- I still don't understand why Clayface didn't change his teeth. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> you can change your entire form. And I'm glad that Cy got involved because sometimes he sits things out, but it was, uh, it was fun to see him in the mix. So, yeah, I mean, this was definitely a flawed plan, but it was kind of fun to watch. Uh, Kendra? I loved seeing Cy as Marilyn Monroe. Happy birthday. It was gorgeous. (laughs) 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 But yes, I'm in full agreement that Psycho's costume was stupid. But it worked, and that's what makes it even more stupid. But, I mean... This plan, I mean, this is, it's just crazy. There's so much going on this episode. I mean, these guys, I mean, they get away with so much stuff. I mean, there's, you have King Shark chasing a porcupine saying, come here, I want to teach you love. Hmm. I mean. <laughs> Wait, I missed that, actually. That, that is a detail I missed. Please elaborate. <laughs> he's literally sitting there in the lair in the mall, and he's chasing a porcupine saying, come here. I want to teach you love. <laughs> was, that? Did the poor, was this just like all right he has to be doing something like in the writer's room like he has to be doing something in the background porcupine <laughs> right <laughs> like okay oh god, oh, god that's, that's it funny. 
but they get away with so much stuff and it just makes me i'm just like okay you guys are freaking genius but yeah i mean this whole scene where you sigh singing happy birthday and the only thing they can think of as a distraction is fog machine (laughs) (laughs) they're like oh well what about everyone who could potentially see us no we're gonna fog them out that's that's just what we're gonna do A mysterious fog rolls in. <laughs> We're Stephen King. <laughs> oh, I do not like that movie. Oh, no. <laughs> that movie makes me cry. Right? Who knew fog was so scary? Right? Oh, what about you? Okay, so Plug I'm like right here. nine, I think, and I think the original had aired on TV, and I'd never seen the original, and it's so menacing that it's just regular fog, which where I grew up at, fog comes in, like once September and October hits, like fog is all the fucking time. So I'm in there at like five in the morning folding my newspapers, and I look over at the open garage door that I go in through, and the fog starts rolling up against the door, and I'm like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? I just saw this movie. I know what happens with the fog. Are you <gasps> shut the door, shut the door, right? I've got this little kerosene heater because I'm in the garage and it's 545 in the morning and freezing. And ah, you guys just brought up a host of memories with that one. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to hear an hour long like thing about this because that that sounds tragic and adorable oh man um that was just one of many um experiences you can only have if you're in the fourth grade and you have a paper route third grade fourth grade something like that um mom wanted to put me to work early (laughs) (laughs) uh as far as this escapade though um clearly daring uh yeah brad (laughs) why didn't clay change his teeth i don't know but um, the fact that it kicks off with Penguin showing up and uh, right before he shoots the guy in the uh, elevator, I love that he's like, hey, hi, you sex upstairs later. And I was like, whoa, oh, OK, Penguin, like, not even, a, you know, just hi, you. Um, and I love the way everyone's chatting with each other about how they're going to do this. And the code that you've copied is tweet, tweet. To which Ivy's like, I'm not fucking saying tweet, motherfuckers. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Cy was brilliant with the happy birthday. And Firefinger? Okay, I need to hear more about Firefinger in a lot of ways. And season three, I'm expecting Firefinger to show back up. Um, <laughs> and just the way that they're supposed to be, like, according to Ivy, like, we have to be really delicate with her. And they're, like, throwing the ice block at bodies to kill people. And then when she finally gets free... And we have that wonderful exchange with Penguin. It's it's worth everything. It was a pretty brilliant setup. Um, I laughed my ass off <laughs> while they were doing all that shit. Um, it, it was it was a pretty it was pretty hilarious, especially when we find out how long it took to come up with this plan, or at least to agree to it. And for all the insanity and absurdity, you know, you have to love who the mastermind is, and that you know the fog somehow works. <laughs> All the other little elements of, you know, um, diversion and in plain sight, you know, uh, all, all those great caper moments you're you're loving and looking for. Um, they're they're used embarrassingly poorly in this scene. And yet somehow it still all works. So there's a, a lot of fun to be. <laughs> and yeah, uh, Psycho's uh, disguise. Yeah, it was just hilariously just tragic. And that's what makes it beautiful. Kelly. 
So I think my my first thought coming into this, Seth, off what you said, <laughs> I have this vivid memory of one of my friends, probably, we were probably in our 20s, if I'm going to be honest, doing this, but we were doing something in Walmart that we shouldn't have been doing, and we had a signal. And I, I feel like we were playing <laughs> Manhunt, because I, I, we, we weren't stealing anything, and it must have been like Walmart Manhunt, because we used to do that for fun. We had nothing to do, and we were home on break. And I, I just have this vision in my head of my friend Frank popping into an aisle and going, caca! And like me going, Frank, who says caca in Walmart? <laughs> yeah, I feel like that and tweet tweet are kind of on par. Like neither of which should be, you know. Words. What? What is that? So yeah, I mean, this entire plan it has to have been made by Clayface because it makes absolutely no sense. But it's the plan that works. It's the plan that fixes everything by the end of the episode. And, and it's a great movie plan. <laughs> like, right? Like, right out of a movie, you're like, what? Planning. Right. Like, the, this, is, this is the heist that we all deserved. And so, I, I mean, in my head, this took a lot longer. And sadly, it's not that long on paper. But we have to kill off our goons, the personas that we just made. Because one of the goons, as they're escaping, gets crushed by the block of ice that is Harley. And just, it's such an instantaneous and terrifying death. And I'm just imagining his death certificate, which would have said, uh, crushed by ice in case supervillain in a push cart. So what would you want your goon uh, epitaph to be, essentially? Brad? I would hope it would be like something about how I got out of being a goon before it killed me and I died of an old age happy surrounded by family (laughs) (laughs) king shark's gonna gnaw my head that's what's gonna happen (laughs) he's gonna serve me over to dakashi so that that way i can be a california roll light on the rice because he's on a diet that's how i'm gonna go (laughs) what about you (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm just gonna mispronounce Bane's name enough times that he blows me up. <laughs> that would just be the one thing. You know, I'd just be like, you know, is it brain? No. Banal? No. What's your name again, man? And after all, I'd be like, I'll blow you up. And then that's it. <laughs> just done. I'll blow you up. Oh. <laughs> How about you, Kelly? I think I, I've been toying around with a few options, but I think that my favorite would be accidentally knocked off a roof by a drunk Jim Gordon. That, <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> this, this is a fun little segue into the side story we're about to talk about, but I, I would really like to think that a very inebriated but very enthusiastic Jim Gordon is on the roof of some building waving his arms, trying to get Batman's attention, and I'm just a goon, and I just kind of, you know, get it in the face and go over the side of the building without him even noticing. Like, I would like to think that, that he doesn't even notice that he's tossed someone over the side of the building. <laughs> I, you know, that that's how I'd go, as, as the goon that I am, with all of my <laughs> conundrum dreams. But in, in any case, 
the, this B story of this entire episode is Jim Gordon, who is dealing with the fact that not only is Gotham kicked out of the United States of America, but Gotham is a hellhole. And it's his hellhole. It's the hellhole that he feels responsible for. This is a hole that he's passionate about. And he's just trying his best to get Gotham back up to standards. So we have, you know, him trying to rally his police officers, which doesn't go well. We have him trying to rally his wife, which also doesn't go well. And we have him thinking that Batman comes back and Batman is not back. So of this Jim Gordon storyline, guys, what stood out to you? What made you feel the worst for Mr. Gordon? Brad? Man, I think the worst was just discovering that that Batman was actually Robin. I think that took all of his <laughs> dreams away. <laughs> it it kind of like that, that episode of The Simpsons where uh, Lisa breaks Ralph's heart and it's on video and uh, Bart rewinds it. And he's like, look, Lisa, you can see the actual moment where <laughs> Ralph's heart breaks. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of like I, I felt like that was the kind of moment that he was having where it was like, it's, it's done. He's done. <laughs> There's no coming back from this one. Poor guy. Uh, Kendra. Oh my gosh. I mean, if there were a subplot to this one, it's definitely the Jim Gordon story, the untold. I mean, he just, it's, it's hit after hit. And I honestly think the one that stood out the most to me is when He's just desperately trying to get Batman to appear with that light on the the, tr- the back of the truck that he's running around in. And he gets taken out by his own, his own, you know, police force because they've joined Bane's side. And of course it's Cheryl because yeah. it's Cheryl. I just love Never her southern it. accent. <laughs> right? I'm not sure I'm a fan of the coconut seltzer water myself. I like it. I like it. But... <laughs> I mean, I can't think of something that would be that much more devastating. I mean, yes, there's the his wife saying he wants a divorce, but anybody who's been paying attention would see that that's coming. I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, here you are trying to rally your troops, and then your troops are like, you know what? You suck as a leader. We're, we're moving on. Things move fast in these dark streets. That, I think that was the one that stood out for me for poor Jim. Seth, what about you? Yeah, I'm torn. I mean, there's a part of me that that just saw the, <laughs> the the utter sadness of watching poor Damien like kind of trying to maneuver around in the bat suit while like demonstrating his martial arts prowess, and like you can almost feel like this is what it's like for Jim to look at him in a drunken state before throwing that really thick whiskey bottle at him, <laughs> and he's just like, "This is what I'm left with." Like. This kid, this sloppy, this kid in this bat suit. Oh God, get me drunk! And and that that sense of how he's then driving around singing the uh, <laughs> cop song <laughs> while with the bat signal in the back of the truck. Like for me, that was the the bottom because then of course when he gets you know uh, waylaid by the. Uh, <laughs> The former cops, including Cheryl, who are now Bane, any Bane soldiers. And he's like, that was like 10 minutes ago. What the fuck happened? Like, how is it that you guys went from getting shot up with me when we tried to rally to suddenly getting turned over? And now basically I've got nothing like as the flickering bat signal goes out. That's that's his last moment of hope right there. 
But just those two images of like this pathetic kid in the bat suit followed by, wow, my own cops turned that fast. And there goes the flickering signal that that was my uh, trifecta. How about you, Kelly? Oh, yeah, that I mean, I, I think if we were to rewatch this entire show just on clips of Jim Gordon, this is the saddest show that ever happened. I mean. This poor man has watched a, a Batman's gone and then he thinks Batman might be back. But no, this is a 10 year old in a costume. Although I will say not cool to throw a bottle of liquor at a 10 year old. That's <laughs> I mean, it's only thick plastic, but like that and cigarette burns. Not cool. <laughs> exactly. Like, this is not OK. But oh, God, I was rooting for him so hard because I'm like, I, I know he has to make a comeback at some point in the show. Like, he has to come into his Jim Gordon-y self-ness that we're all used to from the comics and, and even from the Dark Knight series. And he's just so sad and pathetic and just Jim at, at every single moment. Although I think in this episode, what got me is... So he has the run in with Damien. Damien's dressed up as Batman. And he's like, okay, I mean, not only do I not have Batman's number, apparently, but this kid won't give it to me. And Batman is gone. And then goes to his police station, is like, no, I mean, I- I'm going to do this. We're going to be fine. We're going to take back the city. And then his cops turn on him. And then he goes home and he's like, no, we're going to rebuild. We're going to start right here in this house. And his wife goes, I want a divorce. And lights go out and that's it, which I mean, one, that is the most baller way to ask for a divorce ever, because it's like I'm literally not concerned <laughs> if, if you're going to tell someone you want a divorce while you're in bed with them and then just clap the lights out and turn over what like. I I have a weird respect for this Barbara. Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> clap on, clap off the clapper. <laughs> that, that is cold. I mean, damn, but. Yeah, like I, poor Jim, I, I'm rooting for him so hard. And part of me roots against him because he's against Harley. And that's it, the framing of the show is meant to sort of make you root for Harley. But at the same time, watching him, I'm like, this poor man is an alcoholic whose city has crumbled, who has been disavowed from the U.S. And he still, in this episode, tries three separate times. He's like, nope, I'm better than this. Nope, I'm better than that. And then the third thing with his wife, it's like, and he is not better than that. That is the straw that broke this sad, sad camel's back. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel for him. I feel bad. But with any luck, he'll make a, not not in the super upcoming future, but hopefully in the, the near future, he will make some sort of a comeback. So we have some crushed goons, some crushed Jim Gordon, and an epic battle between Harley and Penguin. Guys, what did you think of the way that Penguin goes out in this show? Brad? Oh, man, so bloody. And (laughs) took so long. Uh, You know, it just, the blood just kept flowing. And, uh, I mean, even (laughs) There was part of me that was like, even as a cartoon, this is pretty extreme. And um, <laughs> I, I, but I mean, I, I guess that's what you get when you mess with elevator guys and Harley. Like that's not that's that's gonna that's gonna come back to haunt you. That's gonna be some serious uh, some serious karma that you're gonna have to pay for. 
and uh, and he does. So, ah, uh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got what was coming to him. Kendra? I literally screamed when she bit his nose. I don't think I've ever been that excited to ever see somebody get that massively hurt in my life. And there have been some pretty bad villains along the way in, in, in the realm of books, <laughs> TV, and movies. But when she did that, I did. I literally screamed. And I was like, this is perfect. Are they really going to do it? Are they going to kill off a character? Are we going to fight out of Tropeville? And are we going to get an actual death? And sure enough, I mean, it was beautifully done. She mocks him the entire time. The fog is back. <laughs> It was glorious. Seth, <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Yeah, there's nothing like a come up and um and and the nose thing. It reminds me of uh there was that book Three Tales of Chemical Romance in which this guy like confronts a guy and he's talking shit and he goes, If you don't stop, I will bite off your nose. Understand me, you will have no nose. And I always loved that concept and watching her just be like, Yo, dude taken that <laughs> chomp chomp and then all the like you said the mockery the fog the the sort of just like grandiose sort of sense to it and brad dude so much blood so much glorious blood it, it was definitely i mean and here's the thing like whether there's that certainty of joker dying or not there was that feeling of like this girl this woman will kill this is harley quinn who is no problem with taking out any of these, you know, big names. It's not an issue for her. So it, it kind of felt like, oh, yeah, the, who's next? <laughs> and that's a pretty fun feeling. Like, okay, assholes, <laughs> which one of you I got to fuck up next? And, you know, Freeze is on her list. She's got a special place in hell for that motherfucker. But, like, just that feeling of just like, oh, yeah. You know, I kind of had that vibe of, like, the Kill Bill one. You know what I mean? Like motherfuckers i'm just getting started <laughs> and that was pretty badass for me how about you kelly yeah i i mean it, this was a shocking amount of blood and as someone who watches a lot of investigate discovery which i i know is like the 40 year old mom thing to do but that is what i've been doing since i've been <laughs> <laughs> It's, I mean, knives are personal, like, or stabbing is personal. So she bites off his nose, but when she actually kills him, the way she gets behind him and stabs him in the throat like that kind of stunned me. Because this, like, there's this image of Harley Quinn in my head where it's, you know, she'll kill if she has to. She'll do the crazy thing if she has to or if she's under the Joker's influence. But more or less, she doesn't enjoy the killing. With the penguin, I feel like she enjoyed that. Like, I feel like that kind of up close and personal stab was a, a stab of like, I, I, there, there's some darkness in her that I think we kind of shy away from as fans of her as as this anti-hero or anti-villain, whatever you want to call her in the show. And I mean, that kind of drives it home because on one hand, there are lines she won't cross, but to me, I would much rather you know, kind of throw something from a distance or or shoot at something than, you know, be holding on to the person I'm stabbing. That sounds very, yeah. But in any case, I mean, Penguin is dead. Penguin is gone. 
more or less out of the series. Although Kendra, like you said, this is comic books, it's tropeville. You never know who's going to come back, but it feels like Penguin is gone, gone. Not like Ivy gone, not like Joker or Batman gone, but genuinely gone. Like Scarecrow gone. That's what I'll call him. He's Scarecrow gone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't come back from being melted by acid. I mean, you can, but you know, it's a lot more fucking unbelievable. More or less, you're not coming back. So. Rounding that off, guys, what death in this show has stuck with you the most? Is there is there a death that, above everything else, you're still like, ah, fuck? Brad? Well, uh, I've got two, and one is really this episode with Penguin, because I, like, like you, Kelly, kind of like, it kind of shocked me <laughs> with the, just the utter <laughs> violence, even for a cartoon. I was like, whoa. And the other one is, even though she came back, is Ivy's death because it was just such a character that I love so much. So uh, I would say those two. Kendra? Oh, gosh. Um, dang it, I have to say I'm in agreement. I mean, this one was, was really, really shocking because it was very violent, very visceral, in your face, and it was great. You were cheering for Harley. Um, I, yeah, I think that's that's gonna have to be both of mine because it's so big. It's the first time that you actually see her, like, maliciously be like, you know what, go fuck yourself, like, you're done, and she ends it, and it's beautiful. Seth, yeah, this this is the one. So I'm reminded, I. I this is how my mind goes and I'm sorry that I keep referencing things, but I don't want to ever try and take, you know, uh, like authority. Like, yeah, I came up with that shit when I didn't. And I'm just remembering shit from other people, but the movie, the professional, when he's breaking down the weapons for Matilda and he's like a sniper is for the beginners. Cause it's distance, the closer the weapon, the more personal it gets and the expertise. And he was always like, knives are like the most personal. You know what I mean? Like, if you really want to fuck somebody up, there's nothing that's more intimate, more personal. Because you got to look somebody in the eye or you got to stab them in the back. Like, you have to do it with such an intent that there's no doubt about what you're doing or what you meant to happen or how involved you were. <laughs> like, you know, you get in there with this a knife. Death. What's that? <laughs> this is death. <laughs> yes, you you are dying and I'm doing it. Like in case there's any question about it, I'm the one with the knife. You're the one who's dying, dead. However, it works out. Um, I was just watching Extraction with my wife last night too, and I was watching with my mother-in-law, and it freaked them both out because if you haven't seen it, it's got some pretty heavy, intense fight scenes. And for the girls, it was perfect because it was Chris Hemsworth, so I was guaranteed they'd watch the whole thing. <laughs> right? Like I'm like, look, he flexes, like you're hey, set. Man. <laughs> right right so I, I knew i was covered but there's a fight scene with him and another guy and it's dangerous when you watch people who can really use a knife and the way it was so close you know it, it just heightened that idea and then watching this episode again i was reminded of just like dude you you get close to somebody with a knife and you stick it in like you know there, there's no separation about your intent that's you holding the knife that's the blade going in Everything else about that is really there's no gray area. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, Joker says the same thing in Dark Knight. Oh, you're right. So yeah. well, nice. Cool. Thank you, Brad. 
Um, who? When does he say that to? Like, let me picture. Well, the thing. He, he, uh, it's when he's talking to Gordon about killing his men and about using guns. He says, "I prefer the knife because you." I'm paraphrasing, but then you, you see the last moment in the person's eyes, kind of thing. Nice, nice. Well, way to bring it back home to canon, Brad. <laughs> Boom. Way to just bat fam it right back in there. Okay, with that and Brad's mic drop, I pass it to Kelly. <laughs> there are no knives in the mist. <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> so to wrap up with my last question, at this point in the show, and I feel, I feel like this is, really important to ask right now because going forward we're going to get into some fun new personas for Clayface but at this point as of season two episode one I want to know what your favorite Clayface personas are because I I think you guys all know the one that I'm referencing that might throw this off in upcoming episodes so up till now what was your favorite Clayface persona Brad? (laughs) I oh man, see you're you're killing me because I'm I because one that I want to say I can't say. <laughs> not, yet. Up yet. Uh, not quite yet. Um, but um, oh, God, I don't know about a persona because I just I, I kind of like Clayface being Clayface with his overdramatic, um, you know, acting. I guess I guess maybe when he was Batman trying to hold it in, like you know to 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 not let it go and i forget oh man it's been a while since we talked about it but i forget what it was that made him lose his cool and um go out of character yeah 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 so i would say that up until this point it would be there just clayface as himself as clayface or when he was batman uh at the end of uh of season one kendra oh gosh clayface um I, you know what? The original is still my favorite. The one with uh, the bar where he's making him his own bartender. Seth, what about you? <laughs> That's such a great one. <laughs> where he's got the ranch and he's the hunky, hunky bartender. Um, actually, my favorite, it has to be the Maxi Zeus love child. <laughs> where he, he kept trying to like, because Maxi was like, but your eyes were more or her eyes were more blue. Suddenly the eyes are blue. And there was a hump and a hunch and a lisp. <laughs> He's trying all those different ways to uh, that. That probably had to have been my favorite up to this point, because, yes. Kelly, we're well aware of the wicked thing that you're doing, teasing us with the one we all want to talk about. And we're about to talk about. But up until that, yeah, yeah, we got to We got to got to pick something else. And yeah, Maxi Zeus Love Child, that would probably be my my next go to um, just because of how that one was played out. And I loved watching him just twist himself up before he was finally exposed. That was how about you, Kelly? So Yes, you, you guys are right. This was a, a plot to reference all of Clayface's previous personas because he's about to outdo himself as as we know from literally the next episode in this season which all of you listeners here is a great reason to listen to the next episode because it is Clayface's best persona but I I think my favorite either one Seth to go with you would be the Maxi Zeus love child because that thing got, got grotesque. I mean, I don't know how he didn't figure out that someone was on to him. Like, you know, she had blue eyes and a hump 
back and a, a unibrow. And but my second favorite would be the sassy divorcee who I, I believe had adult braces and was a secretary and was just trying to get back out there. Like I, I root for her. <laughs> I, she's someone that I would meet in my lifetime. And I'd be like, yeah, you, you go, Deborah. <laughs> you do it. But yeah, I, I was, was her name Deborah? Her name might've actually been Deborah. Hmm. I'm going to look that up. <laughs> in either case, so we, we have ended season two, episode one on a high note of looking out for Clayface's future personas. And with a lot of blood and gore and fun henchmen politics, because henchmen deserve, I mean, I, I feel like if henchmen were a thing, I would be pushing for some kind of a union or something, something that I would get blown up for. But in either case, that brings us to the end of the 14th episode of Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. I have been your host, Kelly Gaines, here with my wonderful co-hosts, Kendra Hale, Brad Filicky, and Seth Singleton. And guys, if the good people want to find you on social media, comment on anything you said, maybe, you know, share some insight on the mist or stabbing or anything positive that isn't the mist or stabbing, Brad, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me writing news and reviews on dccomicsnews.com. Uh, you can find uh, me on the regular DC Comics News uh, podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. And I'm really interested in what anybody would have to say on The Mist because I love the story. And the movie was pretty good, too. But not stabbing. Kendra? Not stabbing, no. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep that to yourself. <laughs> For me, I can be found on Twitter at Devour All Words. I can be found on Dark Knight News uh, doing reviews and opinion pieces, as well as here every week for not only the DCN News Network, um, but also for the Harley Quinn Mad Love cast. Seth, where can they find you at? Well, they can find me, DC Comics News. Uh, they can find me here with you guys every episode of Mad Love that I can get into and get on. Uh, the weekly podcast, they can find me uh, with the Spinner Rack. You can also find me on Twitter as One More Singleton. And I have really cute dogs that I love to plug. They're Bruno and Fiji on Instagram. Check them out. Um, yeah. How about you, Kel? You can find me doing opinion and editorial pieces for DC Comics News and also on the main DC Comics News podcast weekly. And also, also, which is not a thing, but we're going to make it a thing on Twitter at CalGamesWrite. Uh, Gains with an ES because my boyfriend messes that up sometimes. But that has been the 14th episode of the DC Comics News podcast. And if you want more podcasts, more DC Comics news in your life, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at DC Comics News. And you can listen to all of our under other wonderful podcasts on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Play. Um, so be sure to follow us, like, subscribe, let us know what you think. Let us know if you have a different Clayface persona or perhaps we're going to stay away from the stabby stuff. But it has been wonderful to be here with you guys today and wonderful to share our thoughts on the second or the first episode of the second season of the Harley Quinn show. And 
that's about it. But we do like to wrap up with this one thing, and that is to remind you guys all to read more comics. Have a great night, everybody. Three, two, one.